All right, welcome to another episode. I've got a lot I want to get accomplished today. A lot I want to talk about. Happy full moon in Pisces. Definitely feeling the creative push. Also feeling a lot, a lot emotionally and and like anxiety wise. Again, transparency. I think that's really important. As we move forward as a society, I think the thing that has helped me grow the most as a person is just gathering experiences from other people. Um, you know, and if I think if you know, you know what I mean. If I, you know, if you know, you know, right? Um. Yeah, so I guess I just wanted to take this moment to do kind of a reintroduction. Oh my gosh, okay. Um, technically, I'm alone recording, but also Nyx is in here. And if you don't know, I have two cats. Uh, Nyx is my second baby. She's a troublemaker with a capital T. So if you hear noise, it's her. <laughs> so lost my train of thought but okay um at any rate like i said i'm your host mare uh full name meredith but i personally okay i'm going to stop this cat oh my god oh <laughs> <sighs> Again, I'm leaving it in, like I'm doubling down. All right, yeah, I just, um, when I got my first job, people started calling me Mare and it just kind of stuck. I feel like that's more me than my name. Um, pronouns, she, her, they. I don't particularly have a preference, it's just more. Oh my God, this cat, y'all. Like, I'm gonna have to. <gasps> God. I had to put her food bowl back out for her. Um, yeah, Pron- uh, as far as pronouns go, I don't particularly have a preference one over the other. It's more so just the validity like myself uh, acceptance and acknowledging of those parts of myself so yeah that's where we stand on that uh let's get into it so this is actually my second podcast I jumped into the podcasting world, uh, like a lot of people, (laughs) um, during the first, you know, stint of the pandemic, the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I started a podcast with my dad. Uh, long story short, you're going to have to go listen to the podcast to get the full effect, like the series. Uh, It's one of those things that kind of lived and 
I want to say lived and died. And the reason why I say that is because if we, if we start it up again, it will be in a different kind of iteration than it was. Um, it very organically started and very organically ended. It wasn't something that we set out to end, but um, I ended up, I, you know, I got pregnant and just kind of life. So uh, the name of that podcast, Guidance for Movement, and you can find that on all podcast platforms. Uh, but the name, I'm going to talk about the name a little bit before we get into uh, my dad and I's relationship. So the name isn't, I mean, look, Guidance for Movement. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So anytime you go through an experience, you gain this insight and perspective that only you have, right? Uh, and so this podcast is really our exploration of my father wound and his part in that, right? And it's just two people. I mean, doing what we do best, him and I have this thing that, that I don't have with anyone else, um, which I mean, you know, if you've got a parent, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're, he, we just have this ability to step outside of ourselves and really come to a place I always say like you know when, when you have a situation when things happen uh, when traumatic things happen we, we have a choice right we always have a choice to keep walking together with that person or to make the choice to, to, to not do that anymore right to, to stop to stop you don't have to keep everybody in your life right so him and I made that choice to, to walk together. But, but the, the key to that choice, right, is that it's a two-person choice. So, you know, we have to be in agreement if we're walking together. I can't say, I want to keep going on this relationship and he not feel the same. Otherwise, it won't work, right? Simple math. <laughs> uh, so this isn't us telling you how to live your life. This is merely just us exploring this and sharing it. Um, we also, there's other topics. It's not, we don't just focus on that, but everything kind of, I think the thing that the podcast does beautifully, and it's, it's something that I didn't quite, it was almost a side effect really. Um, was, and this was feedback from somebody. It wasn't so much what we said, but how we communicated that really conveyed a message that, like I said, I didn't really, I didn't really consider in the beginning from the get go. Um, but it's just that thing that I don't really think I can name. I mean, I've got inclinations as to why his and I relationship, like why our relationship works. I have my more like witchy or woo ideas that are related to astrology and past lives. But then I also just have in general, like general human societal uh, social constructs and like patterns. Um, and he respects 
me. He respects me 100%. Um, my boundaries, my thoughts, my the things that he doesn't understand or doesn't agree with. Um, you know, he's just a very open, like, you, like, just open person, right? In some ways, I mean, you know, we're not all... We're not all one thing all the time, um, and nobody's perfect, and definitely that's what I want. The other message I want conveyed, just because him and I communicate well now doesn't mean that we always did, number one. And number two, um, it doesn't mean that we don't have room to grow, because we do. I, I mean, I think, and he feels this way too, like, I mean, you should always try, um, you know, spend time and reflect on yourself. Um, but yeah, so, so that's the podcast guidance for movement and, um, I mean, look, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Right. And that's fine. But I, I, the reason why I wanted to talk about it, um, I, I do this thing. I didn't really finish introducing myself. I don't feel like, but hi (laughs) if you go back on the podcast you'll see i kind of tell the journey in more detail but i uh you know we all had things that rubbed us the wrong way that you know we classify as traumatic uh or just not ideal and you know then we grow up and then we we you know, go experience things and then our perspective shifts and, and, and we're, you know, exposed to different things and different ideas. And, uh, so that's been my journey is I have opened up into this different person and this different just world that, um, I'm so happy exists and I had no idea. (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's that, but then it's also kind of this awakening journey and like, and, and realizing like, you know, my part in, in things and situations and patterns that kept happening. Um, and just unlocking, unlocking those doors and really like digging into why I was the way I was, why I am the way I am. Um, because again, the seeking, the seeking is a, is a never ending thing um, for me. I, I definitely move through the world with knowledge, through knowledge, uh, sharing knowledge, uh, very air energy. I've got a stellium in Libra and a stellium in Pisces. So I kind of have those two things playing with each other is, is like, you know, and my also Mercury is in Pisces. So again, the way I communicate, like, uh, that's how I love people. And that's how I love myself. That's how I understand my world is through feeling uh, but also through just knowledge. And um, so it's not surprising that I played this long game of manifesting um, podcasts. Growing up, I would always, you know, stay up and I couldn't sleep. And I would just talk. I would just talk out loud in my room and I would always dream of this scenario. Like I would visualize this scenario of talking to all of my family and explaining to them, um, I'm a, I'm a small human. I mean, I'm, you know, small stature human. And so I've always, and I, and I look younger. And so I'm always treated as such. And so growing up, I always 
would envision like standing up in front of my whole family, like extended, not just nuclear and uh, just people I knew and kind of just, you know, taking my power and taking my control and saying like, you know, this is who I am. And, you know, these are the things that have made me who I am. And, and also I'm not these things that you think that I am, um, you know, very core human needs or things or, you know, wanting to feel in control of your own life and um, wanting to control the narrative, which is another like healing, a thing that I had to heal. It's like healing or, or <laughs> not trying to control the narrative because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what character I play in other people's stories because I know what character I play in my story, right? We're, everyone's a star of their own movie. That's just the reality of it all. So nobody gives a fuck. Okay, let me just tell you, right? Nobody cares about you. And then truthfully, the people that do, like the people that are so consumed with other people, it, it, they're not even, like, don't, don't worry about it. Like, it's not even, like, there's this saying, and I don't know who said it, I think it gets mis, mis, misattributed to, to different people. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt, I think. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's, I don't know, somebody said it at some point in time, but... It's like some people talk about other people. Other people talk about, um, I forget the second tier of things people talk about. But then the last thing is like ideas, okay? And that's where I exist. I exist in this realm of like thinking about ideas and thinking about things and, um, and just exploring you know, thought experiments and things of that nature and reading research papers and just soaking up everything I can, right? Uh, and I think that, I don't know, like, I just, that's where I've settled. That's a place that I've settled into and I'm, I'm really comfortable in that place. But I've, like, really digressed and that, I mean, that's just, that's who I am. So just in case... You didn't know. That's who I am. I also am a new mother, but I'm sure that you, if you're here, you probably know that. Um, and there's a lot of shifts and changes that have happened there. But anyway, okay, so back to this whole idea of manifesting these podcasts in this, in this long roundabout, like, way. The reason why I choose to believe that is because... I think it's just fun. I personally, I mean, I think there's a difference in magical thinking versus seeing the magic in mundane or, you know, like I think magical thinking can get us in trouble. Definitely. Right. That's the, that's the place that you can find yourself in when you're on a, a state of like dis-ease, not, not disease, uh, but I'm talking about just like anxiety. Like currently I'm like being crippled by postpartum anxiety. <laughs> Fun. Uh, but it's something that I'm aware of, right? And I can work with it. And I know, like, I know what's going on and it's not something that, um, uh, 
it's not something that I'm letting like I I currently have the position over it to where it's not controlling me but it's just like I'll have these thoughts and I'm like yeah that's I know like I know what voice that is it's not really a big deal Um, but if it ever changes and if it ever gets to that point where I can't do that any longer I will get help but okay so that this place that I'm in if it changes then you know that's when you open yourself up to magical thinking and you think that um, and it can be for the better or it can be for the worse but it's kind of that grandiose thinking of like oh you know um all these things are happening to me because people are watching me or i mean it can like slip into the paranoia it can slip into just it can slip into the good uh where you just you know, kind of like rose-colored glasses, or it can slip into kind of like that spirally place that I frequent sometimes. <laughs> uh, so I don't, that's not what I'm talking, I'm not, I'm not condoning magical thinking, okay? I'm not condoning spirituality and magical, not, you know, the magical realm as a cloak, as a band-aid. I'm offering it as a tincture i'm offering it as like this for me this is what works is seeing the magic in the mundane so me reaching back in time now and and putting those two things together and saying like wow like little meredith manifested this like you know the you know the manifesting of the podcast like anyway I think I've kind of lost I've, I've, I've lost that train of thought which is another like postpartum thing and just trauma thing like your memory is not great but uh yeah I just think that seeing magic in the mundane can be I, I hate, I fucking hate the term empowering, but I just I haven't figured out a better term, but I think it can be empowering. It can kind of put the power back in your hands, at least for a minute, at least for a day. Um, and then you practice taking that into the next day. And offer yourself grace when you, when you, you know, don't exactly get it right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, I mean, that's what I'm offering because I know it works for me and especially with like inner child work when we talk about that, um, you know, I think it's important to like reach back in time, if you will. This is always how it happens, too, when I do solo episodes. I mean, I don't know. Not always, but, like, I was laying in bed, couldn't sleep, and I had, like, I mean, I just, I probably laid there for 30 minutes and, like, you know, heard the podcast episode in my head, basically, the one that I, like, was going to record, right? And then I come in here, I get set up, and, like, it falls out of my head before I can... But, um, we'll just get on with it and maybe we'll get back around to it. But at any rate, 
So the next thing I want to do, this is like a new, uh, I don't want to call it a segment, but it kind of, I mean, it's going to be a recurring thing. So yeah, the segment, a doula watches. So it's going to be, it's going to be me essentially giving you the lowdown on movies or TV shows that have births. Um, Call the Midwife, certainly going to be one. I actually watched that while I was pregnant. But I'm going to start with Knocked Up. (laughs) So here's the deal, right? It's a comedy. I want you to know that I know that. Before we move any further, I know it's a comedy. I appreciate the humor. Um, it's, it's a funny movie. It's definitely like, um, I think anything Seth Rogen does can kind of be more niche because not everybody appreciates, appreciates his humor, but I understand it. Okay. So this is not at all critiquing the comedy portion of the movie. This is just giving you like a factual rendition of the events that transpired related to being pregnant and subsequently the birth. So there's like my huge disclaimer on the whole thing. Um, This is not an actual movie review. This is for edutainment purposes only, but mostly education. I mean, to be quite frank, because the idea here, I mean, I think I said this before on a prior episode, but, you know, in becoming a doula, I mean, part of my consideration was that I was traumatized at an early age because I would come home from like pre-K or whatever. And TLC in the morning would play kids shows. But then when I would get home around like one or two or like whatever time it was, uh, they would, it would be the show of people giving birth and like, in hospitals and like screaming and like just I mean the whole deal like I mean literally televising or is that the word broadcasting these people's trauma like no doula is present (laughs) uh so yeah looking back I just appalled I'm so appalled I need to go find the name of it so I can like put that to rest for me but Anyway, so the idea here is I want to give my perspective as a doula in training, also somebody who gave birth, uh, and yeah, so let's get into it. So first off, right off the bat, I just want to say, uh, number one pregnancy tests, the way in the movie she took them back to back to back to back and she was like chugging water and all of that, don't, I'm not going to advise that. And here's why. I mean, definitely if you're like 12 weeks pregnant and you take three tests back to back and you do dilute your water or dilute your urine by drinking all of that water, certainly you can have enough HCG because you're that far along that it would still read positive every time. And yeah, I mean, look, if you're pregnant, yeah, it's probably going to read positive, okay? But 
we want to increase our chances of finding out the first day we could possibly find out. And the way to do that is, and it's, I mean, look, you probably know this, but I'm just going to give all of the information. The way we do that, and it's written on the instructions of the pregnancy test, is you test your first urine of the morning because that you'll have the most high concentration of that hormone because, you know, you haven't peed for eight hours. So, um, yeah, just first thing I noticed. And this might not be a, like an exhaustive list. And if you have a movie or a TV show you've watched and you want me to review it or you have thoughts um, or you think I missed anything during this, like, let me know. That might be an interesting thing to go back and forth about. But um, next thing, when she goes to pick her OBGYN, I just want to say, wow. Oh my God. First of all, she only saw one woman provider and the way they portrayed that provider was just horrific. Again, comedy. I get it, but there's implications. Okay. There's implications. And I want to talk about those implications because I think they're, they're real to me. So whether or not they're real to other people, that's fine. That's for you to decide. But so this character, you know, she went for her exam and this character was like doing, uh, was going to do a vaginal exam, an internal exam. And the provider was like, whoops, like that's not your vagina. And she goes, that happens often. So again, it's a comedy. But the implication that there was only, she interviewed like five or six different physicians the one female physician couldn't find the vagina, the organ that she has. Again, comedy. I get it. But I don't like, I don't like that thing. Because if we're not careful, that further, like, pushes this idea that physicians are male. And I know that that's still a thing for people because I know somebody that feels that way. That anytime they, like I talk about my doctors, they say he, which is fine. We, It's fine for you to have your preferences. It's fine for me to have my preferences. Um, but I, I just think on a mass scale, we need to support you choosing the position that makes you comfortable or midwife. But so the rest of the physicians were mostly, I mean, they were all male identifying, but they were mostly white as well and older. And um, a lot of them creepy or like crass or, you know, that kind of thing. And again, comedy, but I'll tell you, as somebody that's been to a male OBGYN, he was creepy. Like, he gave me creepy vibes. And again, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, like, 
say that that could be my own bias. Like I could be looking for any kind of uh, like energy that doesn't make me feel right. Like I could be doing that hypervigilance kind of a thing. Um, but my now husband went with me to all, all of those appointments. Um, I really know for, for no particular reason other than just he was free and like, why not? And um, just because it makes me comfortable in that in that particular scenario, because it was a male and I had never had a female OB before, so I just like had him go with me anyway. And yeah, he definitely picked up weird vibes too. So I say that because these are real experiences, and that's just and my experience is just like the mild end of the stick, right, or spectrum, like so because real assault happens real like real things body autonomy issues um trauma inducing issues like trauma triggering issues right like sexual assault trauma triggering things so so there's that kind of like thing and then um i guess just fast forward to the birth what ends up happening is she had picked her ob her ob promised like i don't i don't take vacation of course though he was not available for when she went into labor and she was not having it she was freaked out uh which is perfectly reasonable it's perfectly reasonable to want a continuity of care at any point in time during your life when you need medical care, but certainly when you're going to deliver um, or have a child, no matter how you have have your child, right? And that's perfectly reasonable. So she calls him, he doesn't pick up, and the line that does pick up says, you know, don't worry, we'll get, you know, we'll get another doctor, not a big deal, right? Well, that throws her off her center because she has this plan, right? Um, I like to call it birth preferences, not birth plans, but that's a different, you know, different thing, different conversation. So um, she labors at home. She waits for Seth. I forget his, Ben, it's like his character's name. She waits for Ben to uh, get over there. She's laboring in the tub beautifully. She's keeping her center. She's not thinking about the whole OB thing. Um, because, you know, she's dead set on him being there. But anyway, different thing. So eventually she gets to the hospital. And um, they don't show this, but this is just good to know, is if you go into spontaneous labor and go to the hospital, you might sit in triage for a while. So it's something to consider. There's a lot of, like, maneuvering and things to consider when you are taking yourself to the hospital, like when you are... In spontaneous labor, you're not going for an induction. You know, you're already, things are progressing and you're going in. It's important to know you might sit in triage. So we, you know, as your doula, we would, we would make a specific plan and we would talk about specific, like how, how you would handle specific situations, how we would handle specific situations. But at any rate, so she finally gets to the hospital. She gets in the room and then guess who shows up? One of the OBs that she was like, interviewing she didn't go with it's Kim Jong but anyway I don't know his name in the movie but um I don't even know her name in the movie but I know it's Katherine Heigl anyway 
I'm not great with names, not great with movies. I'm the type of person, you say, have you seen that movie? I'm going to go, no, I haven't. But anyway, I have seen this one. So he comes in the room. Again, she's laboring. She's doing it. Doing her thing. And um, the heart rate drops. Which, that is a whole rabbit hole that I am not. I'm not going to travel into currently, right now. Because I don't. I'm just not going to. But it's not always an emergency. Let's just put it, a pin in that. It's not always an emergency. And we have tools to kind of like determine that. Not me, because I don't, I don't make medical decisions, right? But I have tools I can provide to you so that you and your provider can work together and decide if it's an emergency because you get to decide. Moving on from that piece. So what happened was he said the heart rate's declining. He like goes in there without consent. Like he maneuvers the baby without consent, without consent. That is not trauma-informed care. You cannot just stick your hands inside of somebody again because of sexual trauma and various other things, just being a kind human. You don't stick your fingers in somebody without asking or anything for that matter, uh, without a prior, you know, prior engagement. Uh, and he does a painful maneuver and then that doesn't help. So then he just says to her, here's the deal. Going to give you Pitocin. He doesn't say what drug he's going to give her, but that's what he would have done. Going to give you Pitocin to speed up this process. And we're going to just, we're just going to get moving. And that's not in her birth plan. She didn't want to use labor augmentation methods. She did not want to break the water. She did not want to do uh, Pitocin or any, like I said, labor augmentation drugs. And so I will say I like what happened, but it, it wasn't executed well. So at that point, when she's visibly freaking out, as one would in that situation, Seth Rogen takes the doctor outside and he's just like, look, man, that's not a part of her birth plan. So he tries. In the beginning, he really tries. He's like, look, that's not, she doesn't want that. And then he kind of does that thing that, that some providers do, not all providers do this. And I want that also to be a clear caveat here. But this provider, it's written like this because I can tell you somebody in the writer's room is, is a partner of or was somebody that had a doctor like this. That's why it was written like that. I guarantee it. Right? So the doctor does this thing that, that some of them do where he goes, I'm the doctor. You want me to fucking leave? I'll leave, right? I'll leave. I don't have to be here. I can be asleep. Or you can let me do my job and we're gonna, we'll deliver the baby. So naturally, Seth kind of backs off and he's just like, all right, man, but I just need you to be nice to her. So they go back in and they do, you know, they, they, they do what they need to do. They do what he is determined they need to do, rather. And then the next thing happens, which is that she asks for the epidural and he says it's too late. Okay, well, not necessarily him because the doctor may or may not be there for most of your birth. Probably won't be, again, different conversation. But, okay, but somebody, one of the nurses, in the team, on the floor, should have known, 
hey, this is, my patient wants an epidural, is interested in an epidural, maybe wants to labor for as long as they can without an epidural, but it is a possibility. So let's have that on deck and have that in mind so that when the person starts to get to that point where it gets iffy, we can like say, okay, do you think you got, are you, do you think you're going to want it? Let's talk about this because our, our window kind of is, is closing, right? So it's important. It's important that we all have a clear understanding of what you want so that those things don't happen. Now, sometimes they might happen, right? We can't avoid every single solitary thing. That's not a promise I can ever make to a client. But I will do my very fucking best, right, to make it happen. But, you know, we have to, you know, we have to kind of, I mean, even I, you know, even I as a doula in training had a doula. I, you know, I had my own doula. Um, there were still things that were out of my control, out of our control. But we need to be able to be educated enough to be able to use our own discernment. Because, yes, doctors and midwives, yes, they have a job. But there's a lot of different ways to go about said job. And there's a lot of different skill level and philosophy and, and something to really think about. And I think I've said this before and I'll say it again. I mean, there's a lot of things you're probably going to hear me say if you listen to this podcast for long enough. Um, but it's this idea that you can't hold somebody accountable for something that they aren't comfortable with. And I mean that for, for most anything, probably everything, but... You know, like I, like I wouldn't, this is going to be a really, really silly example, but go with me. I wouldn't ask my four month old to cook dinner. Why? Be because she couldn't do it. Right. So I'm not going to hold her to that standard. I'm not going to hold her accountable for not cooking dinner at four months old. I'm going to do what I need to do. So. I think fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to frame it in your mind, however you want to look at it, I choose to say fortunately, right? Because, I mean, it's, it's, it is real unfortunate that there's people that don't get to benefit from this, but I think that's, that's the role that I'm, like, taking on, and that's, that's the idea of talking about it on my podcast, and that's the idea of, like, of doing, like, boots-on-the-ground work. Um, but making doulas more widely available, more widely understood, like what even is a doula? What does that mean? Um, because yeah, we, the onus is, is, is sort of placed on us because of the way that the system is. So what you need to do as the birth, the birthing person, um, is to create a team that's tailored to what you want, right? So I'm not going to hold my provider accountable for allowing me to, to like, let's say, let's use vaginal birth after cesarean birth. I'm not going to make them, you know, be there for my VBAC if they, they don't do VBACs. They're not comfortable with VBACs. Whether or not the evidence backs up how the provider feels doesn't, mean that they're right or wrong, number one, but also number two, it doesn't mean that you have to work with it. Like you don't have to work with anybody. You, 
right? So you should choose people that make sense for you. Again, with the whole doctor thing, right? And and she interviewed all these different doctors. I think that's a wonderful thing to do, number one. And number two, don't pick somebody you don't resonate with, right? So if, let's say... I mean, I don't really know because I... Like, for instance, so with my second pregnancy, I've only had one so far, but if I choose to do this again, um, I will make sure I either use the same OB because I did like her and I probably will use her, or I'll make sure I, I choose somebody that has specific experience with the extremely low platelets that I have, the, the treatment-resistant platelet count, and also... Um, gestational diabetes because the way that I want to manage it next time is totally different. I don't even want to get tested next time because there was, again, that's a whole different rabbit hole to jump into. So I'm not going to even touch that one, but um, I'm not even going to get tested next time because I can just monitor my sugars because I never had high sugars, but the test like flagged me as gestationally diabetic. Um, so I will need a provider that is going to allow me to do that. And some providers won't, even though they, nobody can force you to do anything at all, ever. And I want you to hear me say that, and I want you to hear me say it again. Nobody in the medical field can force you to do anything at all, ever. Now, sometimes advanced directives happen where you can't make your own choices and somebody else has to make them for you. Sometimes you're knocked out, right? Like if you come in, you're like in a coma or you, you're like, you can't be woken up for some reason, uh, and you had a car accident, and you need surgery to save your life, yes, the, like, Hippocratic Oath, whatever, they're allowed to save you in that case. They're allowed to do things without your consent. But in the case of birth, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You get to decide. That means even if they say you need to have a C-section, you, you don't. Okay. You can always discharge yourself against medical, against medical device. That's what they call it. But um, that doesn't mean you would go into the woods and birth unless you wanted to, right? Like you, you could go to um, a birthing center. You could go home or whatever. But uh, totally different topic for a different time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that was it. I just wanted to cover, like, look... Um, birth in movies and TV shows, it's not always accurate. Like they usually portray it with the water breaking and then like delivery happening soon after. And that's just not realistic for most people. For some people, the water doesn't even break until the very end or it breaks like the, there's different parts of the bags. And um, sometimes it doesn't break like where there's going to be a big gush of water, sometimes it's just like a small tear and it just slowly leaks. And in that case, you may or may not notice. Um, so anyway, I just think it's important for us to really understand the processes and, and not only birthing people, but everybody, because I mean, number one, it affects everybody. Um, I mean, no, if you don't have a human, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't affect you necessarily like as much as somebody who does have a human, but everybody's been born. 
So, I mean, for that reason and for just the reason of empathy, right, um, I think it's important. But, yeah, okay, so I guess that was everything. Um, let me know what you guys think about this segment, if it's something that you enjoy. If it's something you're interested in hearing more of, please do let me know. Uh, you can do that on Instagram. You can email me, but Instagram probably is the easiest. You can find me on Instagram at Mary Ewing, M-E-R-E-W-I-N-G underscore. Or you can email me tarot with tux at gmail.com and that is t-a-r-o-t-w-i-t-h-t-u-x at gmail.com as always i hope you are drinking your water if not get started take care of yourself i guess i gotta drop the no one else will because i can feel that i can feel that some people think it's depressive and it's not it's truly not to me um I don't know. Maybe I won't drop it. Maybe I'll keep saying it because it means something to me. But take care of yourself. No one else will. I love you. If I can do anything for you, let me know. Readings always open. And yeah. All right. Take care.